0: W-H-H-F-M Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community, on High 96.3. One, one, two, two, three, 3 Hold up.
1: And good morning to you, Indianapolis. It is Sunday, June 7, 2020. Good to be with you here. I'm Cameron Moodle, live in studio with...
2: Hey, everybody. This is Ebony Chappelle, recording live from my treehouse. <laughs> I uh, was not feeling good last night, so I am calling in this morning. So if y'all hear some purrs or meows in the background, it is Opal, my cat, and not me doing an Eartha kid, um impersonation. So just want to FYI that.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, Ebony. With the cat this morning, um, yes. a lot happening across, of course, here in Indianapolis. A lot happening um, across the globe, happening across yeah. the nation, and already this morning it is busy in the streets of Indianapolis. Absolutely.
2: So Black Lives Matter um, organized a car demonstration. So they pulled up to the mayor's house this morning. You know, yesterday he was at the city and at the state house, telling people to hold him accountable. So I guess uh, the protesters wanted to give him a little wake-up call this a.m. So, yeah, it is very, very busy around the city of Indianapolis. So hoping to hear from Black Lives Matter later on in the show. Um, But we have another guest starting off our hour um, as well, Cameron.
1: Well, they are out there protesting right now in the name and in the effort to get more transparency and answers for the family of Dre John Reed. Of course, he was shot a month ago now uh, at 62nd in Michigan by an IMPD officer and we don't know much more today than we knew back then. So we will bring yeah. someone on the air who can tell us exactly what the latest is and hopefully maybe what is the hold up in her efforts to get more answers. I'm talking about Fatima Johnson. She is the family attorney. She is standing by. We'll hear from her in just a moment. Ebony, all that and more coming up this morning. But first, let's get you caught up this morning in the news. Crystal DeHaan, one of Indianapolis's most prominent community leaders, art benefactors, and philanthropists, has died at 77. A spokesperson for Crystal House International said DeHaan died Saturday morning at her home, surrounded by family. DeHaan, who immigrated from Germany to the United States in 1962, co-founded Resort Condominiums International with her then-husband John in 1974. In 1998, two years after she sold RCI for $825, Million dollars, Dahan created Crystal House International, which serves 6,000 students worldwide in the United States, India, Jamaica, Mexico, and South Africa. Dahan retired as CEO of Crystal House in 2018, but served as board chair until her death. The Indiana State Fair is officially canceled due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Indiana State Fair Commission and board members say uh, they will still host a modified 4-H livestock show in August. According to the State Fair Board, this is not the first time the Indiana State Fair was modified or did not take place. During the Cold War and World War II, the fairgrounds were needed to support the war effort and, in turn, was not held. Last year, 879,000 people attended the Indiana State Fair. And the statue is down. A Confederate monument that was standing at Garfield Park has now been taken down at the order of Mayor Joe Hogsett. The monument commemorated the Confederate prisoners of war who died here in Indianapolis. In 2017, the Indianapolis Parks Board passed a resolution to remove the monument once the funding was secured. And in the forecast, it'll be sunny with a high of 86. Right now, it is 61 degrees in Indy. So on this Sunday morning, we have protesters uh, in the streets of Indianapolis who uh, uh, visited Mayor Joe Hogsett's house, uh, Indy Black Lives Matter, uh, out there protesting after protesting for the past 10 days. Of course, this all started last weekend. Everything was peaceful. Uh, there were a couple of things that unfortunately turned violent overnight. I think a lot of that was out of towners coming in to visit our city and wreak havoc. Uh, but all of that due to the deaths of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, and as protesters uh, have made clear here in Indianapolis, is not just those incidents, but it's also the death of Dre John Reed, which still this morning, a month after uh, he was shot and killed by IMPD, there is not a lot of information about. Who shot who? A ballistics test, a coroner's test. Uh, Dre John's mother, Dimitri Nguyen, has just now been able to see his body. I do believe it took more than one time for um, Indianapolis leaders, including Chief Randall Taylor, to call for a special prosecutor. I believe it took more than once for that to happen before a prosecutor was actually Appointed so uh, to get us caught up on where we are this morning. Ebony joining us on the phone is Fatima Johnson. She is the family attorney for Dre John's family. Miss Johnson, good morning. Welcome to the show.
3: Good morning. Thank you for having me, Cameron. Thank you, Ebony. Excuse my of raspy course. voice this morning. No justice, no sleep. So I'm a little raspy. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, it, hey, it's good to have you. you. I know I know you've been busy um, and working hard on, on this case on top of the other things that you do um but it, we're a month out and you know w- we've had hours upon hours of coverage on this show and on this station talking about um this issue over the past month and at the beginning you know we always caution people hey i i know what we saw but there's a lot we didn't see and we got to get more information before you know we start making final conclusions and that's what you would say a week after or two weeks after and it's a month after and now i i i I'm feeling it when people are saying something's mm-hmm. starting to smell a little fishy. Why is it taking so long? And while we're not accusing anyone of anything at this point, um, mm-hmm. it goes without saying, it's been 30 days.
3: It has been, and that's it's unacceptable that it's been that long. Um, I know you're not accusing anyone of anything at this point, but I am incu- accusing IMPD of, inten- of intentional delay.
1: Mm-hmm. T- take us to that day. And then we'll get up to what has happened or hasn't happened in that past 30 days. Take us back to May 6th. What happened?
3: Well, there's some things we already know, some things we're still discovering. But I can tell you that Dre John was happy that day. He had plans to, um, to meet up with friends that evening. He had plans to travel the next day. He was on his way to pick up his girlfriend from work when IMPD says he allegedly committed a traffic violation. So after allegedly committing this traffic violation, he was pursued in this vehicle by Deputy Chief of Police Kendale Adams and Chief of Police Randall Taylor. Now, IMPD has said again and again that the chief and deputy chief were both in unmarked cars but full uniform. Now, to me, that seems like their way of suggesting that Drejan should have been able to see their uniforms from the car in front of them. But anyway, they were pursuing him. Apparently, they were very interested in giving him a traffic ticket. So at some point we know that other vehicles join this chase. IMPD says the pursuit was called off at some point, um, and you know that and maybe they're just thinking we have this person's plate number, the car is not stolen, maybe we'll just catch up with him later to give him the traffic ticket. But they were, um, we know that at some point we know from the live that we can see that Dre John thinks he lost the cops. He parks, he asks for somebody to come get him, he takes off on foot. He runs across Michigan Road. He's pursued by an IMPD officer, one whose name IMPD still won't say. And the IMPD officer catches up with him on the other side of Michigan Road, tases him. Tases a fleeing traffic violator who was talk crazy to him maybe, but it poses no threat. Then Dre John Reed, who's been tased, who's been subdued, is shot multiple times and dies right there. That's basically mm-hmm. what happened that day.
2: Uh, yeah, and uh, go ahead, Ebony. Yeah, in addition to what happened that day, um, there were thousands of people watching the live video at the point that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, there are people that have gone back and dissected that video as well to draw their own conclusions about what may have happened. Um, something quite startling that came out last week was you and in your office saying that John did not do what IMPD said he did, which was his weapon at them, um, and that has been a, a source of debate. Wanted to know if you could just dive in a little bit more on that for the people that are still trying to figure out if that was the case or not.
3: Well, I will tell you this. I'll tell you that um, there were multiple witnesses. This was not a street that was that is quiet. There's not a street that, that doesn't have a lot of traffic, and there were multiple witnesses. And... They seem to be very consistent in their telling of what happened. And I'm not just talking about one carload of people. I'm talking about multiple carloads of people are very consistent in what happened. And and I can sit here and say that I'm sure that Dre John Reed did not shoot at the police.
1: On the air this morning with Fatima Johnson, she is the family attorney for Dre John Reed and his mother, Dimitri Wynn, who we've gotten to know for the past 30 days following the officer-involved shooting at 62nd and Michigan um Ms. Johnson uh in in a number of press conferences uh IMPD leadership has said that uh Dre John was carrying a gun they say it's the same gun that he's seen in a number of pictures or videos with because it has this bright orange or gold stripe on it uh I, you've made yourself abundantly clear that he did not um fire a gun or brandish a gun point a gun at all Did he have a gun on him?
3: Well, it's correct that IMPD says that he had a gun on him. And Dre John was known to exercise his Second Amendment rights because he wanted to protect himself. Not from the police, but he wanted to protect himself. But as far as whether he had a gun on him, which gun it was, whether that gun left the car... I'm not prepared to state my whole theory of the case today. So I cannot say. I know what IMPD has said, and I can tell you that as we've asked to be part of this investigation and um, we were all as a city promised transparency, we were all as a city promised federal oversight, and none of that has happened, and that's why I can't tell you more.
1: So a a month in, why do we not have a coroner's report? It was explained to me that the family would— be handed over the autopsy and then you or the family would be able to release it do you not have that yet and what about the ballistics tests or any other things that are routine in this investigation
3: um we don't have the coroner's report yet i know i know minneapolis put us to shame by having multiple autopsies conducted in less than a week but um we've been told that the coroner's office had to send out samples to third parties and we're and they're waiting for them to be returned now, if it is really taking that long, then maybe the city council should take some money out of the police budget and put it in the coroner's office, since they're clearly underfunding death investigations. But it's important mm. to note that that once they knew once everyone, all the forensic pathologists that do independent autopsies in Indiana, once they knew this this was a police action shooting, none of them wanted to anything to do with it either.
2: Wow! Well, so you guys can't even get an independent autopsy done because there's just no one available that will
3: do it. Well, we have to call people out of state to, to even get some assistance with with, um, with just following up. And I'm, I, I can't say right now what was done or not done, but I can tell you that no one in Indiana has been helpful.
1: Has, has Dre yeah. John's body been released back to the family yet?
3: Dre John's body has been released back to the family, yes.
1: It has? Okay. Okay.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Ms. Johnson, I had another question for you. Um, at the press conference last week, um, you quite boldly shared with the people that were listening that um, those that are in protest, um, those that are calling for transparency, as you mentioned, um, should not take their foot off the neck of the system and should stay diligent in that. Um, we've seen a number of protests, um, as was mentioned at the top of the show. There are protesters out in the streets now. They drove up to the mayor's house. Um, what are your other thoughts around what the community can do and should be doing to help push for this transparency that is so vitally needed right now?
3: Well, There was a, a very poignant article um, by Suzette Hackney in the Star. It's called, um, I think it was called We Can't Look the Other Way When Police Kill Citizens. And I bring that up because that, that hits the nail on the head. We cannot. We can't, even when they have a gold grill, we cannot. Even when they have locks or they have tattoos, we cannot. And even when there's something that they've done wrong in their life, we cannot look the other way when police are judge, jury, and executioner in the streets. So, what we see in the world today is, is, across the globe is this movement being led by people who in the midst of a pandemic are coming out, they're getting confronted with guns, with batons, with pepper balls, with tear gas, because they're saying that they want to invest heavily in their future. They want a better and just society, and they know they have to fight for it. So I would encourage everyone to just keep going out to keep holding people accountable in their communities, just not the young generation. All, the parents should be out there. There's no one who should ha- should be silent on this issue. And I would encourage that the, the politicians who have not said anything or who have gone out and made this about just George Floyd or just Breonna Taylor, I would encourage them to get their houses in order. Because right here, right here, there could have been a call for transparency from them from day one. But everyone wanted to remain silent. So I would say, please, now is the time to put pressure on the mayor for a federal investigation. Put pressure on your local politicians as well to call for transparency in this investigation. All we've asked for is the truth. And that has been offensive to some because we've asked for
1: the truth. What do you think of the special prosecutor that has now been appointed out of Madison County? What happens with that now?
3: Well, I would have been happier if we were kept in the loop or invited to a hearing or if the community was allowed to have input about who was chosen. And it, but it's and it's a shame that our team, that ND10, Black Lives Matter, that the community had to do so much just to get this done. But since the Stonewall was partially blamed on the lack of the special prosecutor and now there is one, maybe we'll get some movement on the case. So we'll see how it goes.
1: So at this point, um, what is it about this that? makes just makes it smell fishy to you something not steering the kool-Aid with this case because you've made it clear you think there is some some cover up or some wrongdoing going on.
3: I can tell you that um time and time again in police departments across the country um there are reports of officers who improperly threw away statements from witnesses of a shooting or or improperly recreated reports in police labs. There's alterations of reports, alterations of evidence, and people who, test, who testify about evidence even though they have no expertise in that area. This is an American, as American as it gets, and IMPD is not exempt from this American tradition. See, I've expressed my concern at every level about the chief and deputy chief. They're material witnesses, and they are—they are being involved in this in this investigation. They should not even be getting reports. So they're getting reports about this investigation that they are witnesses in so that the chief can go on TV and make proclamations. And at this point, we have, like I said before, we have multiple eyewitnesses and multiple vehicles that saw what happened that day. We think there's more witnesses out there. If you saw something, please call the law firm of Fatima Johnson at 317-455-6829. And if, they wanna, if you want to share some information confidentially.
1: Were you able so to get— had- um, body, ca- uh, not body cam, but dash cam footage at all, or any footage from the library that uh, happened, that is right there where the shooting happened.
3: We have um, written letters to the library. We have showed up at the library. We have had we have had no um, feedback or cooperation or response from the library at all. Hmm. Um, wow. So, but I have heard also that there is other, um, there were other videos that um and what they showed or didn't show it was uh was you know we got our hands on it and looked at it so i can't say whether they were helpful or not Mm -hmm. but i know that these videos just like the witnesses these this video was offered to the police they said they didn't want it wow we've we've spoken to a witness who said i gave my information to the police I gave my information to the police. I know what officer I gave my information to, and they never contacted him. So that is why other witnesses have been probably a little reluctant to come forward because they know that what they saw does not match the narrative that is being said. And they know and they feel like that puts them in a dangerous position to have that information.
1: And what about dash cam video? Have you got to see any of that if it exists? I know there's no body cam, but what about dash cam from the car?
3: I doubt that this I highly doubt that this dash cam video from the car. All
1: right. Um, I highly doubt so that. So
3: Ms.
2: Johnson, what is the what are the next steps? Where do we go from here? Um as far as what your law office is gonna do um when it comes to pushing to make sure that this special prosecutor that's been appointed is um delivering on what needs to happen in terms of transparency
3: well our next our next point of pressure is making sure that the special prosecutor gets um the information that she needs and gets the evidence that she needs and gets untainted evidence so our next point of pressure is to demand that there is involvement by the Department of Justice. I know that there that it was mentioned that there would be federal oversight. I've asked from day one what that means. I've asked everyone, and no one seems to know what that means. Not and, and not even the Department of Justice knows what that means or can tell me what that means. There's no names of federal investigators that I've been provided with. And from what everything I've been told, there is no federal oversight or investigation happening right now. So that's why I'm pushing for so that they can so that the prosecutor can get some evidence that is untainted.
1: Eight twenty one this morning on a Sunday morning, and protesters are still uh, marching through the streets of Indianapolis as we are on the air this morning with Fatima Johnson, the family attorney for Dre John Reed. Uh, Fatima, let me ask you as we let you go here: um, How is uh, Dre John's mother, Miss Dimitri? When I got to meet. Dre John's sister, Jasmine, uh, in the protests yesterday on 38th Street, uh, as well as his girlfriend and, and his aunt. Um, how was his mother, and what does she think of the protests in the streets? Because previously, you know, she tried to make it clear that she wanted protesters to understand and know exactly what it is they're protesting for.
4: She's heartbroken,
3: but she's very strong. You know, so she's she is... Um, her confidence in, in, in IMPD has been eroded. Um, first, because uh, that this happened to her son. Secondly, she went to the scene just a few minutes after it happened. Arrived there still in scrubs. Was told that Dre John was on the way to the hospital. Um, she was yelled at that night. She was. She was berated that night. She, um, They refused to let her identify him that night. And since then, she's been on autopilot. She's thankful mm-hmm. for everyone who is helping, and she's thankful for, for all of the assistance. She's thankful that her son's name is, is being said, and that while we're fighting for this, we're saying his name boldly. Um, but she's also she does not she there's one thing that really gets under her skin and it's and it's when she's lied to she's she's always says that they're lying tell the tell the truth, let me look at them. I can tell if they're lying, and she knows mm-hmm. she's being lied to and I don't know for me if you lie to me once and all your truths become questionable
1: hmm. fatima yeah. Johnson on the air with us this morning uh Fatima, if you would uh like to uh give your information out one more time if people have. Um, you know, if they saw something or some evidence and they want to turn it over to you, this is Fatima Johnson, the family attorney for Dre John Reed. How can people get in contact with you?
3: Thank you. It's the law firm of Fatima Johnson. Our phone number is 317 455 6829. Call us morning, noon, or night. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you <laughs> thank so thank much. You. Fatima Johnson, the family attorney for Dre John Reed, uh, in an exclusive interview with us this morning here on The Open Line Show. As we talked about um, in that segment, there are protests still happening today, this morning at 8 o'clock, starting at 5.45 this morning. Protesters from Black Lives Matter uh, started a long procession of cars and went over uh, to Joe Hogshead's house to wake him up. As they said this morning, uh, no peace, no sleep. We'll talk about um, no justice, no sleep. Yes, no justice, no sleep. And why they are still out there protesting this morning when the Open Line Show continues on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your
0: voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on High 96.3. Keeping you connected to what's happening in our city, it's Open Lines on High 96.3.
5: your boy, Ricky Smiley, man. Check it out. And you're listening to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle and Ebony Chappelle.
1: 8.30 on a Sunday morning. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Cameron Riddle coming to you live from downtown Indianapolis for the Open Line show on a busy, busy, busy Sunday morning. Ebony Chappelle joining us from home. Ebony, good morning. Hello. Oh, good
2: morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, very busy. And we had a very busy last night. Um. Took me out, so I am at home recovering um, from the heat and that protesting and happy to report to be here with y'all live from the treehouse. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, with that said, uh, a lot of people are not at home this morning and we're talking about Black Lives no. Matter in D10. Uh, Ten yes. days of peaceful protesting uh, throughout the streets of Indianapolis. And that continued and started early, early, early this morning, Jessica Louise from Indy 10 Black Lives Matter is on our live line this morning. Uh, Jessica, you and the crew woke up the mayor today. We woke up the mayor today, Cameron. You know, we woke up this morning. We had justice on our mind. So
4: we're told that if we have concerns, we need to take it to our local elected officials. And that's exactly what we did.
1: Uh, show, uh, paint a picture for us. How many people showed up? What did it look like? What did it sound like? Did the mayor come out in his robe and slippers? Thank <laughs> you. So, uh, we gathered
4: off-site early in the morning, told people, make sure that you're there early for instructions and expectations. Uh, We made our way to the mayor's house. I would say that we were there around 6.15, 6.30, had over 150 cars. There were multiple people in multiple cars. So, you can only imagine what that looked like, a caravan of people laboring for justice for Dre, Sean, Reed. And we wanted to make sure that that the mayor knew and that his neighbors knew that we hold him accountable for the... A lack of response to this case. Wow. So that is quite a bold
2: move on the part of uh, N D and BLM and, and all the people that participated this morning. Um, what were your expectations um, around around this morning's process, and what are the, the next steps for for what
4: it is that you guys are going to be doing? Absolutely. So the expectation is so that the mayor knows that we are not fooled by the media moments that he is attempting to play out. Uh, Yesterday, he joined the sit-in. He spoke to the city. He talked about accountability. Those things sound good, but ultimately, we want the names released. We want to know who killed Drajan Reed. We want to know who said it's going to be a closed casket, homie. And our demands still stand. So um, because he has not addressed that, because he has not addressed the mother, then the friends of Drejan Reed said, you know what, we need to make sure that we get Mayor Joe Hogg set up out of his sleep so that he knows that just because he's posturing in front of other people, that we're not fooled or soothed by this posturing.
1: Now, you guys kept it yeah. all uh, pretty low-key and incognito on what was going to happen today. Mm-hmm. Um did was was PD there? Was there a police response? And did, did the neighbors come out?
4: So the neighbors did come out, which was, you know, not a surprise. If someone came through your neighborhood and they had about one hundred and fifty cars with them honking their horns and screaming for justice, you would probably step outside your front door as well. We spoke with some of the neighbors. The neighbors just wanted to know what was going on. And we encouraged them to assist us in this process. Mayor Hogg said, you are not responsible to just some of your constituents. You are not responsible to protect the capitalist interests of this city. You are responsible to all of your constituents. Some of us voted for Joe Hogg said. Some of us labored for Joe Hogg said to be elected. And so for him to blatantly ignore, for him to blatantly disregard the needs of his constituents that put him into office is unacceptable. And today we took that to his front steps." Yeah, I want to
2: go back to those demands because I think that that is really critical right now. Um I was at the city yesterday, and I heard what the mayor said, um, and I noticed that immediately afterwards the black woman that took the mic spoke to those demands. For people that are unclear on what the demands are right now, what you all are, going outside of the mayor's house and, and honking horns and beating drums to get him to do, what
4: are those demands? Absolutely. So um, in conjunction with the family, we are asking for, no, we are demanding the following be done. We want the names of the officers involved to be released so that we can hold them accountable. We need those officers fired and for their pensions to be revoked. We need those officers held accountable for murder. We need the, the, the use of force policy reviewed and rewritten. And then we want them to tell the truth. The family lawyer and the family held a press conference late last week, and they gave some countering, you know, compelling statements in regards to what has been offered to the public. We want the truth about what happened to Drejan on the day of his killing to be released so that we can have that information.
1: So yeah. <laughs> um, I've been out there like eight of the past 10 days of protesting mm-hmm. wherever we were, yeah, uh, Friday We were at 38th Street, went to Northwest District. That's where the officer who shot Dre John would have reported for work. Uh, Mm -hmm. We were led by uh, Dre John's sister, Jasmine, being our pace car, our our grand marshal out there. Um, That was one side of a protest. uh, And then you, you had this morning. The one that I think threw a lot of people off, though, was on Tuesday night when everyone marched from Monument Circle to the governor's residence. Uh, Explain for people how that night ended with this unity show and the hugging and the walking with the police, but how that wasn't really what you guys as Black Lives Matter wanted to do. You didn't really lead that one. Absolutely. So we weren't
4: in charge of that protest um, and there was some on the ground support just because we want to make sure that community safety is always prioritized over anything else. We want to be very clear. We are not here for media moments. We are not soothed by media moments. We are not appeased by media moments. Cops hugging you, sitting down their battle gear, hugging you and then picking it back up is counterproductive to justice work. It is counterproductive to liberation work. We need to defund and disarm the police. And for years, we've been talking about the militarization of the police. For years, we've been talking about the police having access to military weapons, not only in our own city, but across the country. And we're seeing that come into play. So hugging cops at a protest isn't really productive, and it doesn't assist with getting demands met. Allowing cops to dance or kneel with you doesn't really assist police want to help, then they can quit and they can help us labor for justice instead of joining up with the force and continuing and exerting excessive force against people who are exercising their rights.
1: So on that night is it unfolded on live streams and on live TV, as I'm trying to write this story, I'm trying to figure out as the reporter, okay, what just happened here and Mm -hmm. is life suddenly better, but it was these other... Uh, kind of protest leaders and training or or these people, uh, it was kind of a different MC or a host every day. And that one was just kind of the most bizarre to me.
4: Absolutely. It is absolutely bizarre. It confuses the public and the community as far as what the message is. I can't tell people not to hold their own autonomy and not to do anything. I can only give aggressive suggestions. That's what I call it. That's a jestism. I'm giving an aggressive yeah. suggestion telling people, do not hug the police. The police are not vowing not to use tear gas on protesters. The police are not vowing to speak to the mayor and the governor to take the National Guard off the ground. The police are not vowing to reduce or completely do away with excessive force in regards to residents of Indianapolis. They are looking for a media moment. This is damage control. Hugging them does not say, it does not dismantle anything. It does not lift up demands. It centers Mm -hmm. people instead of community, and that's not acceptable.
2: Yeah, Jessica, um, again, to Cameron's point, I agree that that evening was quite bizarre, uh, you know, to watch and to try to get a grasp on what exactly is happening here. You all have made it very clear that the center of this is to get to justice transparency and to look at reforming um, all of the different ways that police have been operating up until this point. Um, One question that came up yesterday during the protest, um, we left from the state capitol and we moved to the circle and then there was protesting through the streets and there was a young man next to me and he said what happens if all the investigation is done, all the information comes back And it's something that those that are protesting right now don't want to hear in terms of what went down on May 6th when Drajean was killed. So I'm asking that question to you. What happens if the news comes back and it's something um, that does not paint Drajean in a
4: good light? What are your thoughts around that? Absolutely. So those are valid questions that the community is welcome to ask, and we invite them to sit with that question and to unpack it themselves. We are prepared still to labor for justice for John Reed. And so my job is not to soothe people's questions or inquiries about what happened. My job is to affirm this human life that was lost and to support the family and the loss of their loved one. We've seen in the Aaron Bailey case when we did not get justice at a local level that uh, we had federal options. And so I'm sure that the family lawyer can speak more to as far as what might be available to the community and to the family um, if we're not seeing justice on a local level. But again, that's also why a couple of our demands include um, holding the police at large accountable we need to review and rewrite that use of force policy. That use of force policy is replacing another policy where they failed to review 19 police shootings in two years under three police chiefs. Something like that is unacceptable. And so even if we get something back where it may not be necessarily in the favor of the family or in the favor of what the community might want to see, the police still need to be held accountable for how they interact with residents.
1: Jessica, can you take a caller? You got the phone lines hot here. Some people want to talk to you.
4: <laughs> Listen, I don't mind taking a call. Don't try me, y'all. Come on, it's early. I'm li- it's early Please and I'm
1: don't here. try her. And, and if you do.
4: Ebony can tell you. <laughs> hey, and, and if don't they do, do try
1: you, I'll let you go at them. <laughs> Perfect. All right, here we go. Caller online, too. Good morning. You're live on the air on the Open Line Show. We're talking with Indy Tim, Black Lives Matter. Lord have mercy. Black Lives Matter. Jessica Louise. Caller, good morning.
5: How are you doing, Jessica? I'm I see all that right. you are expertly using the religious model in your protest. You have come out front with the unattainable goals. You're uh, speaking convictional language, which uh, liberty and justice and uh, equality fall into that category. And you also have the metaphysics of religion when you have your riots. So uh, you're doing a great job, but you have a lamb also. The lamb is Trajan, and the lamb is the guy that was killed in Minnesota. It's just a religious model being used on our people it's embedded in their subconscious. They don't recognize it until it's too late. But uh, the only power that a lie has is that it can destroy itself. That's the only thing it can do. And I think that uh, we're seeing that right now with the pandemic, and uh, we're going to see it with this protest that's going on. And the major embarrassment I seen last week is Al Sharpton preaching a, a eulogy and that he's myth- mythologized. Uh, character, and then uh, embedded that in our conscience as a country, uh, he should be ashamed of himself. But I know that's how he makes his money. So you're using the religious model, uh, Jessica. That's what you're using, man. All
1: right. All right, Larry. Uh, Larry, Larry, not calling with a complaint today. Interesting. Jessica... <laughs> uh two three nine nine six nine six two three nine nine six nine six on the air this morning with uh Black Lives Matter Jessica before we let you go uh it's you've done your your morning work uh are we gonna see another week of action and protest tonight Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what have you?
4: We are encouraging people to take a day of rest um although we are using historical context as far as demonstrations are concerned. We also understand that, one, we're under a global pandemic that is disproportionately affecting communities of color, particularly black people. Um, We saw the health department come out yesterday to assist with some of that. They were COVID-19 from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Montgomery bus boycott lasted 381 days, y'all. We are prepared to do the long-term labor for justice for and also to hold our police force accountable.
1: All right. Yeah. Jessica thank Louise, you thank you for stopping by this morning. And, and I'm thankful that we can get a day of rest because, like I said, I've been out there since last Friday, and my <laughs> feet are on fire because I've been getting my steps in.
4: You have, camera. You've been there, you know, all the way. You were stepping with us when they were tear gassing us last weekend, so we appreciate your fair media
1: coverage. Absolutely. That's what we that's what we do. All right. We will talk to you that's on great, another man. day. Get some rest. Absolutely. You too. All right. Jessica Louise with Indy uh, 10. Black Lives Matter on the air with us this morning. Um Ebony, we still have some uh phone calls and people who want to get on the air. Yeah. Let's, let's get uh, to those calls. Let's take a couple calls. Caller online 3. Good morning. You're live on the air. Hello. Yes, this is me. Yes, that's you. Good morning. You're live on the air. What's on your mind?
6: Hey, how you doing this morning? My name is Paul. I'm I'm going to make a comment too as well. I can appreciate um uh, Everyone in the legal, the, the legal people that's trying to help these folks and everything. I'm 60 years old. This, it, we are at the point where playtime is over. The black race did not participate in uh, creating these laws and constitutions or any of these types of things. So it kind of makes it. So it kind of makes the the whole situation discriminatory. We must understand that lawyers represent the court, and we have to eliminate the Constitution and everything. We need to stop uh, pussyfooting around with these petty demands and go to Washington, D.C., take those documents and destroy those documents and start over. We are asking for things that we never have experienced. We never experienced peace. We never experienced justice. This whole system is designed to bring harm to us while we bring wealth to them. And people need to start learning words like indigenous. We are indigenous to this to this this country, this land here. We have been lied to, we have been tricked, and all these different types of things. And a brother that was on earlier, he's right. This religious angle that that that's being put on this stuff is the very poison that poisons our community. And we need to make we need to wake up. The black divine needs to wake up. Go to these places and destroy these documents and start over. The police are allowed to kill people. People, period. All right, this man. is not a place. This is not this is not a place. These people lead by force and we have to stop them. Period.
7: All right, we man. have
6: to destroy these documents and we have to get out here. Not we are demanding we are we need to take. All right. Uh, Thank, you, Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate your welcome. call. Let's go to the next Thank caller
1: you. on line two. Caller. Nope. Let me see. Let's hit. Let me hit that one. Uh, caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on the air. What's your name? What's on your mind? Yeah. I'm, 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 am, I, am I on the air, yes, sir? Yes, you are on the air. Uh,
7: all right. My name is Michael. I'm a disabled Vietnam-era veteran. And my comment is this. America, we see in the daylight now and look for the blue wave and the avalanche against Trump this fall. If all these millions of people that we see marching in all these states vote, the main question is, vote and no Trump's out of He's one of the worst presidents we ever had. He's not a president of love. He's a president of hate. And most of us was raised up in, in uh, religious homes and go to church on Sunday and was taught love. He will not win. Hate is not going to win this election. The people are going to get out and vote. They're going to vote in droves, and it's going to be a blue wave like it was in 2018, and an avalanche, and they're going to dump Trump. And with that saying, uh, the day he leaves office— I want him to put it be put in a, 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 a orange jumpsuit with J A I L. That's my comment.
1: Thank you all all a nice day, sir. All right, appreciate Thanks the passion the this call. morning, Ebony. He mentioned yes. election. We got five, we've got more callers. We got five minutes on the show, but uh, we did have an election, and uh, that's in the books, history making. Uh, there were some issues, yes. and so we'll be watching okay. that one as we get closer to November.
2: Absolutely, we have lots that we have to dig into because there were lots of people that were. Uh, disenfranchised this last time around and I'm personally very very upset about it um, and that is something that we will be diving in on on this show.
1: 239 9696 9696 5 minutes left in the show. We'll stay in open lines taking your thoughts on the week, the protests, the investigation into Dre John Reed, the conversation we had with Fatima Johnson, the family attorney, as well as Jessica Louise with Black Lives Matter. Call us 317-239-9696. The phone lines are hot. Uh, let's go back to the phones right now. Caller on line three. Good morning. You're live on the air. Hello, you're Hello. live. Hi, yes, you're live on the air.
4: Okay, yeah, we need to let them, hey, we got to go for their money because they're using our money against us, and we got to go where it hurts. That They don't want to cough up no money, but we're coughing up blood, so they got to cough out something, and we need to go for the money. We need it to sue the state because they taking our money and using everything against us, and we need to come for it. All right. That's all I got to say. Yeah, have a good
1: day. All right. Appreciate you calling in 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on the air.
0: Yes. Hello. My name is uh, Cortez, and uh, during the last you know days and stuff, I've been looking at what's been going on, and uh, I am from Indianapolis, Indiana, but I had to move out here to Washington mm-hmm. due to litigations that I got going on with the jail because. I'm in fear for my safety and well-being. Um, make a long story short, I was unjustly assaulted back in two thousand May of 2017. Uh, everything was caught on camera. Um, the officer said to me verbatim after he rushed up to me, after I showed I was in a medical line, I was taking my medication. And when you in jail, you had to open up your mouth to show of you that you took your medication I turned around walking back to the cell block Uh, Corporal Ryan Joshua Nick asked me to turn around and open up my mouth and I did what I was told within that same breath he rushed up on me grabbed me by my jaw face slapped my head back against the wall and looked me in the eye and said verbatim if you're gonna act like a monkey I'm gonna treat you like a monkey so I was able to file a tort claim while I was in the Marion County jail. I filed the grievances. I exhausted my administrative remedies the best way I could being in the jail. And the Marion County jail grievance department basically swept everything under the rug. Now, when I got the first step of the grievance back and his response, he omitted with his omission. He admitted to putting his hands on me, but he denied the racial slur. So w- my point is, I mean, it's been going on on the streets for a long time. You know, generations, generations fought. We still fighting for equal rights. But a person that's in jail can be in jail for driving on suspended uh, child support, mm-hmm. some, some low level crime, which I was transported back from the Plainfield Correctional Facility, for a lower-level marijuana case.
1: So let me ask During you my- this, because I'm just about out of time. Where are you now, and, and are and are you okay? Because I because I'm getting your point, but we're up against the clock.
0: Yes, I'm. I, um, I'm in Tacoma, Washington, right now, and I have some litigation. I got a court day coming up this month soon. Um, they want to settle, but I'm not going to settle because, like I told my attorney, this is not about the compensation. It's about getting my voice heard for the other inmates that don't have a voice or or even in the position to retain a lawyer. Real quick, they paid, in the Marion County Jail, they beat a black man so bad that he was crying for his mama and Jesus. And what they did for him, and this was told to me by a deputy, what they did to him, they gave him hush money, made him sign a raver, and gave him early release from the Marion County Jail. So it's a lot of stuff that's going on that need to be brought to light from from the streets mm-hmm. to the courtroom.
1: All right. Appreciate you uh, thanks, calling thanks. in. I, I think I, right now in Tacoma, Washington, it's uh, 5.53. Is that right?
0: Uh, what do you mean by 5.53? 5.53 5. in the morning. Uh, yes, yes, 5.53 in the morning. Yes, we're uh, three hours different.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, good, good early, early morning to you. And I guess you're listening to us on the app then.
0: Yes, I am. Yes, I
1: am. Well, hey, man, we appreciate you you uh, listening to us on the other side of the country. You have a good day, and uh, good luck to you.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a blessed day.
1: All right. Uh, Ebony Chappelle, we got two minutes left here uh, in the show. Um, Yeah. We could probably talk for uh, another hour about um, everything that we're going through right now. Uh, And it sounds like a, a busy week ahead.
2: Yeah, it does, you know. And there is, like you said, there's so much that needs to be discussed, so much that needs to be talked about. Um, as our last caller highlighted, you know, things are not only happening in the streets, but inside our correctional facilities as well. Um, lots of injustice happening, lots of abuse, uh, misuse of power. Um, you know, you name it; these things happen, and we we've talked about that before as well. But These are the things that we need to keep discussing, and we need people to stay active and stay engaged and making sure um, that our future, maybe not our immediate future, but the future of our children um, is set up a bit better than what it is that we're experiencing right now.
1: All right. Uh, The final words from Ebony Chappelle this morning here on the Open Line Show. That is going to do it for this busy edition of the show here on the first Sunday. In June, we are finally six months into the year. It has been a long, long year. And we've got six more months to go, technically seven, because this month just started. Uh, So hang in there, y'all. We'll be with you uh, throughout the entire year as we go through uh, this unprecedented time of a pandemic, of an election, of protests in major cities across the country Uh, But the fight will continue on, and we'll be here with you through the entire thing. Uh, We thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, If you missed any part of the show, the conversation, we'll have it uploaded to Apple Podcasts as well as our website coming up here later this morning. I'm Cameron Riddle for Ebony Chappelle and our entire Radio 1 team. We'll see you next Sunday live at 8.